Would you help me welcome several groups of people? We've got a bunch of people back in our community room. We've got uh, people watching online. Would you help me welcome all these folks, too? Yeah. It's good to see you. Uh, a lot of you were asking, how did the trip to Italy go and, and all of that? It was fantastic. And rather than me talk about it, let me just show you a brief video to recap a little of what took place. So turn your attention to the screen. Greetings. And we congratulate you on this amazing journey. What a great night of celebration. And as I was sitting there thinking just a moment ago, I was thinking that God has you and this church on a journey. This, this is an amazing journey that God has And I want to remind you of a couple of things. 
God was working way ahead of you to bring you here. He was working in the lives of people, some of which you do not even know. To bring you here tonight. Uh, I want to remind you of this. That God has brought you to the very place he wants you to be. He brought you to Melito. Because there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who do not know Jesus Christ. People in this community who have no hope. They're going to find hope. People in this community who have no purpose, they're going to find a reason for living. And broken lives are going to be healed. Broken marriages are going to be saved. And people are going to find Jesus. And so I'm excited for you. And, and so I want to say to you, welcome home. <laughs> Welcome home. Benvenuti. God bless you. And you be congratulations. Grazie. Yeah. You know, what I want you to see is those are your brothers and sisters over in Napoli. Most of those people you'll never ever meet on this side of heaven. But because of your giving to a Care Reach Grow, you're helping their dream to become a reality. And I'm just so excited for Vita Abundante di Melito. You know what that means? Abundant Life Church of Melito. And they just laughed at me when I would try to say that because I'm, I'm not saying it correctly, but you don't know. Most of you don't know. Some of you might know. But it is such a joy. It is such a joy that through our Care Reach Grow offering as we closed out 2015, as we moved into 2016, to be able to partner with their ministry there in, in Napoli. And not only that, but to also plant our second church in Ecuador. And so things are underway. We'll be telling you a whole lot more about that in the weeks and months to come. We're also are obviously taking care of the needs of people right here in our own church family. And, and then also we're helping our church in Vancouver, our, our, uh, uh, what do you call that thing, our campus in Vancouver, <laughs> Yeah, campus is the word I was stuck on. So we're helping our campus to get into their permanent facility. And in fact, Friday night, we were able to have a dinner up at our Vancouver campus with a lot of the people there. And just uh, about 60 people showed up, but those 60 people contributed significantly to our Care Reach Grow. And I'm excited for you to know something. I'm excited for you to see that our, our, yeah, our number right now is $190,000. Now, that is worth, yeah, come on, give it up because that is awesome. That is awesome. That is awesome. I, you, you, don't, you probably don't know this, but this is the highest, 190000 is the highest carriage uh, grow offering we've ever received. It's the highest. It, we've also got the highest goal we've ever had of 250000 Now, some of you say, well, we didn't reach our goal. Well, guess what? It ain't over yet. <laughs> we ain't done yet because today's the last day. And so we've got a gap of about $60,000. And I'm just believing God is going to speak through several of you to give a gift. Some of you haven't given a gift yet. Some of you have already given, but you maybe would want to give more. Some of you are kind of thinking, I just want to kind of see where they land and see what they need. And so I just believe that God's going to work through the people, through the, through, the, through the service today, through the services today, 
And we're going to fill that gap. We're going to fill the gap. So, but listen, wherever we land, God's doing amazing things. And I hope that you, and, and I hope that in your heart, you are just, just overflowing with joy. Because you've been able to be a part of making a difference, literally, for eternity around the world. And so give it up for yourselves and for the Monday Life family. You guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. Now, today we're going to continue in our series on Joseph. I haven't taught on Joseph for a long time, and I've just really been looking forward to coming back and teaching on Joseph because it's an incredible story, an incredible story that has so much for us to learn. Let me begin by asking you a question today. What is the most spiritual activity that you engaged in this week? What's the most spiritual activity you engaged in this week? Some of you are thinking, well, I, I prayed. I, I took some time and I, I talked with God. Uh, some of you uh, would say, well, I read the Bible this past week. Anybody here read the Bible this past week? Okay. Some of you would say, well, I spent an hour in praise and worship all by myself this past week. Anybody? Yeah, good for you. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Way to go, man. Um, some of you would say, well, I, I uh, gave some money to one of those guys standing out on the roadway holding a sign in need of help, and, and that was probably the most spiritual thing I did this past week. Would you be surprised if I were to tell you that I don't think any of those is the most spiritual thing you did this past week? In fact, what I think is the most spiritual activity you engaged in this past week was the activity of choosing. Because in order for you to pray, in order for you to give, in order for you to worship, in order for you to help other people, you have to make the choice. And I think probably there's no other gift that, the, that God has given to us, that your creator has given to you, that equates to being a spiritual activity as that of choosing. And every day, you and I make hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of choices every single day. Go back to the Garden of Eden for just a moment. You know that God put Adam and Eve in a garden of choices. And he says, I'll put you here, and, and you, you can choose to eat from any of the trees in the Garden of Eden. All this mouth-watering fruit, you can eat from any one you want, except for one. And so the odds are stacked in their favor, right? I mean, all bets are on Adam and Eve. They've got all of these choices. Every choice is the right choice except for one, and they made the wrong choice. And God says, if you make the wrong choice, then it will mean death. We make our choices, and our choices make us, don't they? And some of you might be thinking, but we don't always get to choose. You know, there are things that happen to us that we don't get to choose. To which I would say, I totally agree. I understand that. All of us have things that happen to us where you didn't choose and you were a victim of another person's choices. And that's the situation with Joseph. And it's a whole lot more complex than it sometimes seems. I mean, it's easy to say, well, yeah, you can't choose, but you can choose your attitude. I mean, have you ever said that? You can't choose what happens to you, but you can choose how you're going to respond to it, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's not always that simple. 
Let's recap the story of Joseph for just a moment. You know, you know that, that Joseph was one of 12 brothers, and he was the favored son of, his, of, his, uh, of all those brothers. And Jacob favored him more than any other because he was born to his favorite wife, Rachel, and he was born uh, to him in his old age. And so he was his favorite son. And Jacob made a fathering mistake by basically putting out on display that Joseph was his favorite son. And he did so by giving him this beautifully ornamented robe. Remember in Hebrew, it's Gucci? And he gave him this beautifully ornamented robe. And not only that, but Joseph has these dreams, and he has these dreams, and, and in the dreams he interprets these things. And, and the sum, summation of it is that, that the brothers and the family were all going to bow down to him. And so one day... Jacob sends Joseph out after his brothers, and little did he know that his brothers were after him. And so they got the crazy eyes of, of jealousy and, and, and envy, and they saw him coming, and it says they hated him, and they couldn't even speak a kind word to him. And so they're trash-talking Joseph, and so they're talking about, let's kill him. Let's just kill him and be done with this guy for good. Well, fortunately, cooler heads prevailed, and they didn't kill him, but they did what? They kicked him into the pit. And that's what people do when they're jealous. That's what people do when they're envious. That's what people do when there's lust and ambition and, and greed and all these things. People get kicked into a pit. And this is what I know about life, and this is what I know about pits. You're either pre-pit or you're down in the pit. Or you are post-pit. But you're one or the other. Some of you are, are just on the verge of being kicked into the pit, and you don't even know it. But you're either pre-pit, in the pit, or post-pit. And the reason I know that is because pit happens. <laughs> in life, you've discovered that to, to be true. It happens now. You may be in a pit because of somebody else's jealousy or somebody else's envy. You may be in a pit because of somebody else's lust or because of somebody else's ambition or maybe somebody else's greed. You may be in a pit today because of something that happened that was way beyond your circumstance, way beyond your ability to control. So a loved one may have died unexpectedly. And, and, and so you're in, in a pit of despair. Uh, maybe you're in a pit of your own making. Have you ever dug a pit for yourself? Oh, come on. Come on. I mean, I know I have. Oh, my goodness. I've, I've dug some major pits in my life. But, but what I want you to understand is that regardless of the pit, regardless of the origin of the pit, God does not want you to live in the pit. God does not want you to stay in the pit. It's a pit stop, not a pit stay. Because if you stay in the pit, what's going to happen is you're going to take on all that pit residue, that, that anger and that, that jealousy and that bitterness, and, and, and you're going to stop trusting, and you're going to start building all these walls around you. You're going to stop loving. You're going to stop caring. You're going to become cynical. All these things begin to happen to you if you choose to live in the pit, regardless of why you're in the pit. And the reason is because God doesn't want you to stay in the pit. It, it's in the pit that, that, remember this, God is preparing you for what he's prepared for you. You've got to remember that. 
You've got to remember that. Turn to somebody and say, you've got to remember this. Okay? It's in the pit that God is preparing you for what he has prepared for you. It's in the pit that you and I, we get to make choices. In the pit, we get to make choices. You can, you can choose to, to uh, break through or you can break down. And I've seen people break down in the pit and they enjoy their pity party and, and life is a perpetual pity party and, and they, all they've done now is surround themselves with pets because they don't trust anybody anymore. Or you, can, or, or you can look down and around or you can look up to God. And I'm telling you, God wants you to look up to him. Why? Because the pit is not a place to, it's a place through. The pit is not a place to, it's a place through. Listen, if you make your pit a place to, then you'll get to your pit and you'll sit down and say, well, I guess, you know, this is my pit. This is my lot in life. I've been handed lemonade or lemons and, and, and I'm not going to make any lemonade out of it. And, and, and I'm just going to live here the rest of my life. I guess I was born for the pit. Pity poor me. Life is so hard. I guess this is my grave. I guess this is where I'll die. I'm just going to stay in my pit and eat worms. You know? If, if, if for you, if, if the pit is a place to, that's what life becomes. But, but the pit is, it's not a place to, it's a place through. God wants you to break through the pit because truly it's in the pit that God is preparing you for the things he's prepared for you. But what you and I have to understand is that when you're in the pit, it's a challenging place to be. How many of you know that to be true? When you're in the pit, it is an extremely difficult place to be. And you are faced with challenges and you're faced with choices. And these challenges will force you to make some choices. And you're either going to make the right choices or you're going to make the wrong choices. And it's in Genesis chapter 39 that we see a lot of this theme come out. And that's why I've called this chapter Choices and Challenges because it's in the pit, it's in the aftermath of betrayal that you and I have these choices to make. We, we, can, we can be tempted to give up on God or we can temp, be tempted to turn to God. You can be tempted to throw the towel in or you can be tempted to, to say, God, I'm still with you and I'm hanging in there. But this is what I want you to write down. It's the first thing in your, in your life notes. Every day we make our choices and our choices make us. You know that to be true. Every day we make our choices. Every single day you and I make our choices. And our choices make us. You are where you are today because of the choices you have made. And you will be wherever you are a year from now, five years 10 years from now, because of the choices you make today. Every day we make choices, and our choices make us. So let's look at this, because in the life of Joseph, there's a series of choices and challenges, and each one is determining his destination. Let's begin, and we're in chapter 39, verse 1, the very first part of that verse. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Circle that word down because that's what betrayers do. Betrayers want to take you down. They want to ruin your reputation. They want to defame your name. They want to smear your name. They want to take you down. 
And so Joseph's brothers, being the kind-hearted bunch that they were, were sitting around one day, and they were trash-talking Joseph, and they were going to kill him. They were going to kill their brother until cooler heads did prevail, and they made the decision not to kill him, but to sell him. And so they're sitting around their pit. You can just picture them sitting near this pit with their legs dangling over the edge and trash-talking Joseph. And one of them says, just order pizza. And so they call Domino's Pizza, and they get the betrayal special, and they order extra anchovies because they stink and they're nasty, and that's what betrayers are. And so they, they, they are trash-talking Joseph and all this stuff, and they decide, rather than kill the boy, let's just sell him. Let's sell him to a band of traveling merchants that happens to come through here. And so that's what they did. So by now, Jacob believes that Joseph is dead. And Joseph's brothers, to them, he's as good as dead because he's out of their life, he's out of the picture, and they don't have to be concerned with him anymore. But Joseph is as alive as he ever was. He's very much alive. And, and after what would have been probably about a 30-day journey, chained behind a cart, being pulled in the hot heat of the desert, and stepping over and around and in camel poop, he finds himself in Egypt, being put up to the highest bidder to become a slave. And so you come to, to, again, in verse 1, the second part of that verse, Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. This palace guard was an elite group of soldiers, and Potiphar, being the chief of them, he was like the, the chief executioner. And so Potiphar is no one to be messed with, okay? He is not to be trifled with. And so Joseph has gone from being the favored son to being the slave boy, from Gucci boy to slave boy. And he finds himself in a pit perhaps even deeper than the one he just came from just 30 days prior. I mean, think about it. Here he is. He's a Hebrew hillbilly. And he's now in this metropolitan city, and he's with all of these sophisticated people. All of these strange surroundings, all of this. You would think, we'll never see Joseph again. You'll never hear another word about Joseph. But the reality is, we begin to hear more and more and more about Joseph because when he was in the pit, rather than just survive, he thrived in the pit. And he said, that's what God really wants for you when you're in the pit. Even though you're in the pit, God wants you not just to survive, and I just hope I can get through this. No, he wants you to thrive in the pit. And when you look at this chapter, three times in this chapter, you find this phrase that comes out here. First in verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Go all the way down to verse 21, and the Lord was with Joseph, and he showed him kindness, and he granted him favor. And then you'd go to verse 23, the Lord was with Joseph, and he gave him success in whatever he did. I find this to be so interesting, because even though Joseph is bouncing from one pit to the other, God is still with him. Sometimes you and I think when, when we're in the pit, God's left us. No, God hasn't left you. 
God's still with you. In fact, it's in the pit that God is many times he's shaping you and he's molding you and he's preparing you for that which he's prepared for you. And so here's the first challenge that, 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 that we have to come to understand. Write it down. To believe that God has not left us in difficult times. To believe he hasn't left us in difficult times. What's one of the first questions we ask when we find ourselves in the pit? Where are you, God? Where are you? You remember I told you the, the betrayal story of when I was about 23 years old and, and uh, I got fired from a ministry. I was literally there on Friday and gone on Saturday. We packed up our stuff and drove back to Virginia. And it was a, it was a, a period of time before we didn't know what was going to happen. And, and I was just wondering, wondering, God, where are you? Where are you in this whole mess? Because in, from my perspective, it, it appears as if you have totally left us. It's not easy being in the pit. It's a challenging place to be. And so here's the choice that you and I have to make. The choice is this, to trust God in every circumstance. To trust him. To trust God in every circumstance. And this is not easy because you have to believe in your heart it, it has to be a part of your very fabric that in your heart of hearts, even when you're in the pit, you know that God sees you. You know that God still cares for you. And you know that God has not left you. You have to believe that in your heart of hearts when you're in the pit. That's the choice you have to make. You, you have to make the choice, has God left me or is God still with me? That's the choice you have to make. Let's go to verse 3. When, when his masters saw, circle that word saw, when his masters saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Circle that word saw. It's interesting to me that Joseph never had to go to Potiphar and say, listen, Potiphar, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but everything I touch turns to gold. Everything I do is successful. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. No, he didn't have to do that at all. It says that Potiphar saw it. He saw it. And that's a very important lesson because it, when we recognize that, that, that when you're in the pit, and, and you, you have the right attitude and you, you stay with God, you don't walk away from God, God continues to bless you in the pit, continues to bless you. Now, here's the challenge. This is a challenge. Write it down. To remember people are watching me in the pit. People are watching me in the pit. We may not like it. We may not want it to be so. But when you're in the pit, especially if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, people are watching you in the pit, and they want to see how are you going to react. What are you going to do? And I think one of the most profound things you can do is to respond the way Joseph responded. And he trusted God, and he waited on God. You remember the verse we ended with last week, Psalm 40, verse 1. I waited patiently. On the Lord. Underline that word patiently. I waited patiently on the Lord. It, I mean, it, for you and me, haven't there been times where rather than say, I waited patiently on the Lord, you, instead you want to say, you know, God, I'm going to walk out on you. I mean, if this is what you're going to let happen in my life, I'm leaving you. I'm out of here. I'm throwing in the towel. Forget you. 
And it's anything but waiting patiently on the Lord. But sometimes that's what we have to do. How many of you have discovered that God's timetable is just quite different than yours? And, and when you get in a pit and you think, when is this going to end? When, seriously, when Ann and I were fired from that church, we literally packed up our car. We left all of our stuff, all of our earthly belongings in Indianapolis, except for what we can put in a car and on our bodies, and we drove back to Virginia. Left it all. And for three months, I mean, day after day, week after week, for three months, I was losing um, hope. I was losing faith. I was running out of money. I didn't know what was going to happen. And, and I had to wait, and I had to wait, and I had to wait. And, and that was tough. But people were watching me during that time. I didn't know it, but people were watching me. In, in fact, one of the pastors in Indianapolis was watching me to see how I responded. In fact, he, he offered me an invitation to come to his church to be an associate minister in Indianapolis. Gary Black, who was uh, uh, a youth pastor at one of the larger churches in Indianapolis, he was watching me. In fact, he was watching me closely enough that he recommended me to another church in Georgetown, Illinois. And they were watching me. What I'm saying to you is people are watching you when you are in the pit. People are watching you. And, and this is what I want you to notice in this verse. When people are watching you and you respond correctly, go back to Psalm chapter 40. Go to verse 3 and look at that last phrase. Many will see and fear and they'll put their trust in the Lord. Even in the pit. When people are watching you, when you've been kicked into the pit, when you've been jacked around, when you've been betrayed, when you've been stabbed in the back, you deal with it correctly and people are watching you, you can turn people to Jesus because they've watched how you've responded in the pit. And so here's the choice that you and I have to make. The choice is to do the right things. To do the right things. To make the right decision. In the pit, a lot of people choose to give up on God, don't they? I've pastored long enough. I've been at this church long enough to know that when people get in pitiful situations, they turn their back on God, and they walk away, and they throw in the towel. And they say, God, if this is the way you're going to treat me, then I'm out of here because this whole thing about you and Christianity, it obviously doesn't work. And so you've got to make the choice. Are you going to do the right thing? Or are you going to do the wrong thing? I mean, we've all heard of windows of opportunity, right? You've heard of doors of opportunity. Have you ever heard of pits of opportunity? You ever hear of pits of possibility? You see, many times God allows you to go through a pit experience, a pitiful situation. Because he has something better for you. What you see as a setback oftentimes is a setup for a comeback with God. And you don't see it that way many times, but, but often God is working in that way. Let's go on. Because there's another challenge that Joseph faced that's found in verses 4 through 6. Joseph found favor in his eyes, Potiphar's eyes, and he became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his whole household. And he entrusted to his care everything he owned. And from the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything that Potiphar had. 
both in his house and in his steel. And so he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, I want you to notice the irony of this. Joseph is in Egypt. Why? Because he was betrayed. Joseph knew very clearly what it meant to be on the receiving end of betrayal. Joseph here is making a decision that he's not going to follow in the footsteps of his father, Jacob, that was known as deceiver, and he wasn't going to follow in the footsteps of his brothers who betrayed him and kicked him into the pit and sold him into slavery. Instead, he was going to break that cycle, and he was going to be loyal. He was so loyal that Potiphar, the, the military leader of Egypt, put him in charge of everything in his house. That's the loyalty that he saw. Now, here's the challenge for you and me today. Here's the challenge to get under the authority structures in our life. To get under the authority structures in our life. Joseph did not ask to be kicked into a pit. Joseph did not volunteer to be a slave in Egypt. He didn't volunteer for this stuff. I'm sure he would rather have been the favored son rather than the slave boy. He didn't choose this stuff. Loyalty. Joseph would never have received the blessing that God poured upon him had he not chosen to be loyal. You see, God has placed authority structures in the lives of every single one of us. Every one of you is under some kind of an authority structure. It could be a parent. It could be a teacher. It could be a coach. It could be a boss. It could be a spouse. But everybody is under some kind of authority structure. And so here's the choice that you and I have to make when it comes to this challenge. Here's the choice. To be loyal, to be loyal no matter who or where I'm under. Okay? To be loyal to that authority no matter who I'm serving, no matter where I'm serving, to be loyal. You might say, well, I don't like my boss. He's a jerk. She's a jerk. I don't like him. In fact, he's dishonest. I don't like my parents. I don't like my teacher. Well, let me tell you something. It ain't about liking them. It's not about liking them. So what if you don't like them? You're still called to respect them. Why? Because you're under their authority. And as long as you're under their authority, you work hard. You be obedient. You do the right thing. You have a good attitude. And you trust that in the process that, that God is going to open doors for you, that he's going to close other doors, that he's going to provide opportunities. But you do the right thing when you're under authority. Why? Because, because every one of us is under the ultimate authority of God. That's why. Because ultimately we are under God's authority. And this is what you and I have to learn. Until you and I learn to get under what God has placed over us, you'll never get over what God wants to place under you. That's what you you, you got to understand that. You got to figure that out at some point in time. And until you learn to get under what God has placed over you, you'll never get over what God wants to place under you. It's, it's, it's an issue of loyalty. 
It's an issue of character. It's an issue of, of, of being a good follower. I've often said, you, you'll never be a good leader unless you can be a good follower. Because if you can't follow, if you're disloyal, then you've disqualified yourself for being a leader. Because if you can't get under where God's placed over you, you have no right being over where God wants to place under you. I would go so far as to say that if you're having trouble getting under authority, then that really is an indication that you're having trouble getting under God's authority. Because it's an indication of pride, it's an indication of, of uh, rebellion, it's an indication of, of arrogance, and that you know better. And so this whole issue of being loyal, being loyal. Now, Joseph, he was able to come under the authority structures that God had placed in his life. And it's a good thing. It is a good thing that he was able to do that because this last challenge is his most challenging one yet. And it would require unquestionable loyalty. Believe me, because Potty had a hottie and her name was Hotifer. <laughs> she was Miss Egyptian, Miss Egypt, 500 B.C., she was a looker. She was a head turner. And she had her eyes on Joey Boy. And you know why? Well, the Bible makes it very clear in verse 6. Joseph was well built and he was handsome. And she doesn't suggest, Joey, why don't you take a break and let's you and me sit down and have a glass of wine and let's just chit-chat. I'd love to hear your story. Now, that's not what she does. She, she goes for the jugular. She says, Joey, come to bed with me. Oh, Joseph, you're so fine. You're so fine, you blow my mind. Come to bed with me, Joseph. <laughs> now, you have to understand something. Joseph, check this out. Joseph, right about now, he's around 20-some years old. He's in the prime of his life. The dude is chiseled. He's cut. He's living in a highly sexualized culture. He's a long way from home. What an opportunity. This is what he says. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he's entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And she spoke to Joseph day after day after day. Joseph, come on. Come to bed. Who's going to know? Who's going to see? I won't tell. Day after day after day, Joseph, let's get it on. Wow. Can you imagine the temptation? Wow. Here's the challenge. To understand this, that great success leads to great temptation. 
Joseph has risen to a place of unbelievable success, notoriety. What I find interesting is at the pinnacle of his success comes his greatest temptation. And so here's the choice that you and I have to make. To just say no. To run. To scram. Slip out the back, Jack. Make a new plan, Stan. Go for the dough, Joe. Get Oh, Joseph, you're so fine. You blow my mind. He wasn't going to fall for it. He wasn't going to fall for it. And he said no. He said no. Now, we're out of time, and so just fill in these next blanks. Regardless of the circumstances, don't give in. Regardless of the circumstances, don't give in. I mean, the circumstances could not have been better for Joseph. They could not have been better, but he didn't give in. Regardless of the enticement, don't be lured. Make no mistake about it. Um, Potiphar was a hottie, and, and uh, the temptation had to have been awfully, awfully alluring to him. Regardless of the enticement, don't be lured. Regardless of the emotions, don't be fooled. How many of you have discovered that, that in the emotion of temptation, you can be fooled? You can lie to yourself? You can rationalize with yourself? Regardless of the emotions, don't be fooled. Regardless of the result, don't be confused. Regardless of the result, don't be confused. Have you ever done the right thing only to pay a high price? Miss Heidi Pants screamed rape and got Joy Boy thrown in prison. You know what the Hebrew word for prison is? Pit. It is. Joseph is is literally, literally going from pit to pit to pit. Choices and challenges. I'm telling you, every day, you and I, we're faced with challenges. Whether you're in the pit or out of the pit, pre-pit, post, in, it doesn't matter. You're faced with challenges every day, and every single day, you and I get to make choices. This is the most spiritual decision you'll ever do. It's the most spiritual thing you'll ever do. And so, just remember this. We make our choices, and, and our choices make us. What's your choice today? My prayer is that, that you would choose to follow closely after Jesus. And my prayer for those of you who don't know Jesus, that you would say yes to Jesus. So I'm going to ask if you'd bow your head and if you'd close your eyes. And as we close out this morning, if your desire is to recommit your life to Jesus, and, and maybe to commit your life to Jesus for the first time if you'd pray with me this prayer. Father in heaven, today I choose Jesus. I choose to recommit my life to you, Jesus. I choose to follow closely behind you, Jesus. Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and to forgive me of my sin. Heal my brokenness. I'm asking you to be my Savior, my Lord. I choose to follow you. I pray this in your name.